Welcome to the To Faithful Men podcast. This project started in 2006 to preserve old sermon and study tapes of Wiley Flanagan, Hassel Wallace, and Mike Strevel. 2 Timothy 2.2 says, And the things that thou hast heard of me among many witnesses, the same commit thou to faithful men, who shall be able to teach others also. Tonight we begin in chapter 4, Revelation chapter 4, verse 1. This chapter is a very important chapter from the standpoint of of interpretation. uh, There are four views, of course, concerning the overall interpretation of the book of Revelation, and that is known as the the amillennial position that says there's no millennium, no no such time in this age uh, before the world is destroyed that there will be a period of time when the Lord will reign in person. That's the amillennial position. Uh, chief point. Then the post millennialist says that the preaching of the gospel is going to be so thorough and so blessed with God that uh, the whole world will be evangelized, Christianized. Uh, the the whole world, meaning the every part of it, not in its extent. There will be some that will refuse to. Uh, accept the gospel according to their doctrine, uh, even under uh, conditions when everybody is a child of God, they say. Then there's the uh, dispensationalist view that tells us that uh, Christ is going to come back twice. He's going to come back for his saints, and then seven years later he's going to come back with his saints. Uh, this view uh, began in the early, around 1830, from 1828 to 1830, as the first time it was preached uh, as a doctrine. And uh, the other view is the, uh, but that view teaches us that uh, that Christ is going to reign on the earth. The dispensationalist says he will come back. But he'll come back uh, twice. He'll come back for his saints, catch them up, at which the marriage supper of the Lamb, the uh, judgment seat of Christ, takes place. Then, after the seven years of tribulation, uh, Christ will return to the earth, which is called to them in the terms of revelation, uh, whenever I shall see it. And at that time, uh, the the martyrs will be resurrected. And the Old Testament saints, because the Old Testament saints were bypassed in the first resurrection, uh, what they call the first resurrection at the rapture. But uh, when he comes back the second time, all that were not raised the first time at the rapture, plus the martyrs during the tribulation, will be raised, and that's what they say John, uh, Revelation 24 uh, tells us, that that's the first resurrection. And then uh, they tell us, uh, then, the, then the millennium, and then the eternal age. 
the uh, premillennialist says that uh, Christ is going to come back one time, come the final time. But his coming will usher in the millennium. There will be the resurrection, the uh, resurrection of the dead, the change in a moment and point for now of all of God's children, and uh, then the judgment seat of Christ, marriage supper of the Lamb. All of these take place uh, during uh, this the early portion. Now. And then that there will be a thousand year uh, reign upon the earth. At uh, the close, of course, during which time Satan will be bound. And at the end, Satan, uh, at the end of the thousand years, Satan will be loosed out of his prison for a little season. And then the Lord consigns him to eternal fire and lake that burns fire and brimstone as it's recorded in the book. Then you have the second Resurrection, the judgment of the great white throne. And then when the heavens and the earth flee away, new heavens and a new earth, God coming down out of heaven and dwells with his people, and that begins the eternal age. Now, <clears throat> the great problem, differences, uh, the thing that makes the study of Revelation interesting, uh, there would be no great interest over, over the book, uh, if a man didn't believe that uh, Christ was going to reign upon the earth. That, of course, is the main thing. Then, the, uh, the, the point that divides the people that believe that he's going to reign on the earth is when uh, will the tribulation, what uh, relation is the tribulation to the other events in the, in, that's recorded in the book of Revelation? How is the tribulation related to the coming of Christ? How is the tribulation related to the resurrection? How is the uh, tribulation uh, related to the millennium? So, those are the things. So, tonight, we begin in the fourth chapter and the first verse, uh, dispensations. Now, the reason why our millennials are not too concerned with the book of Revelation, they're concerned, of course, but they don't believe there's any millennium. Therefore, it's figurative. We're to interpret uh, the first resurrection as a resurrection of uh, from death in sin to life in Christ. See, and that that reign that their spirits now, while uh, there are have returned to heaven, and they are now reigning with Christ in heaven. And uh, when he comes a second time, uh, that all, there will only be one resurrection, the resurrection uh, of the righteous and and the wicked. Whereas, uh, of course, premillennialists believe in two resurrections, a resurrection of the just and a resurrection of the unjust. And we believe that they, that resurrection will be separated by a thousand years. So you see, the doctrine of the resurrection is very important uh, between premillennialists and amillennialists. When an amillennialist says there's no, there's not going to be a, a thousand years before the wicked rise, well then you you, you already head on your your class, see. But uh, but we will not uh, uh, take in consideration. Uh, 
uh, the, the study from the amillennial standpoint because we do believe, or at least I believe, in the, in the millennium. The only thing that I try to set forth is uh, the things that have brought the doctrine of the millennium into disrespect and disrepute, where people have abused it and, and misused it and preached things from the book, claiming that it's uh, has a Bible authority when there's no authority for it at all. For instance, we, we're gonna, I'm going to show that now by two uh, strong dispensationists. The, uh, I lost my book. Well, uh, the, uh, uh, Dr. Wilbur, who has written, uh, their, the chief book, the more, uh, standard, uh, a, a standard work on the, on the book of Revelation, tells us that there is no authority, and I quote, I quote from page 103, and he says, there is no authority for connecting the rapture with this expression. The expression that he refers to is John 4, 1, when it says, when this call comes from the Son of God to John, come up hither, and I will show thee things which must be hereafter. Now, uh, Dr. Wilford says there is no authority, that we have no right to connect the rapture with that expression. Now then, let me, uh, uh, I read from Dr. Gihon, uh, and he tells us one of the clearest facts in the scriptures is this. There are two comings of the Lord Jesus still future, his coming for his church, and his coming with the church. The first is called the rapture. The second is called the revelation. The first, the rapture, will occur before the tribulation. And the second, the revelation, will occur immediately after the tribulation. And then he says, uh, immediately after the tribulation, there is another coming. Uh, immediately after the tribulation, he quotes um, John 20, uh, Matthew 24, which says that Christ is going to come back immediately after the tribulation. That is a statement in the scriptures. Uh, but now then, he makes this statement. There is also a secret coming of Christ mentioned frequently in the scriptures. In these passages, he is described as coming secretly like a thief, and he will be noticed only by those who will be waiting for him. This is called the rapture, and will take place before the tribulation of those days. Now, he, he continues and says that Enoch knew about the second coming of Christ uh, with his saints. And he quotes Jude, uh, verse 14. Uh, and he says, Notice that Enoch, who lived before the flood, 
prophesied the coming of the Lord with his saints. If they are to come with him, they must first go to him. Concerning this other aspect of the coming of Christ for his saints, however, the Old Testament prophet knew nothing. It was prophesied in type, but the revelation concerning the coming of Christ for his church was not known until after Pentecost. He says, uh, For the teaching concerning the rapture, therefore, we turn to the New Testament. Many passages could be quoted, but one in particular will make the matter clear. Now, here's one passage now that's going to make the rapture clear. Now, what has he said about the rapture? The rapture is the coming of Christ for his people secretly. No one will know that Christ has been here or is on the earth or has come into the air except those that are looking for him. He's coming secretly as a thief. He says this was not known in the Old Testament, was not known in the days of the, uh, the, of the ministry of Christ. It was only revealed after Pentecost. So you see, this is a comparatively new uh, doctrine, if it's uh, inspired doctrine. Now he quotes 1 Corinthians 15, and he says, this is a clear, this will make it clear that Christ is going to do what? That he's going to come before the tribulation and rapture, raise all of the dead. Now, Dr. Dehan believed that all of the dead would rise. All of the dead that were children of God would rise at the rapture. And all of the living would be changed in a moment and twinkle an eye and be raptured. But that's not, uh, he's out of date now. Of course, see, this new doctrine, it gets new revisions every time someone writes a book. Uh, and now, the rapture only includes what they call the church. The church to them is an invisible invisible unit, entity, that's universal, that consists of the redeemed since Pentecost. Don't go way beyond Pentecost. Not in the days of Jesus' ministry. Not in the days of John the Baptist. John the Baptist won't be in this. And none of the people that he died, uh, he uh, baptized. It's all the church to the dispensationalist is uh, includes only people that have been saved since the day of Pentecost, and they are the only ones that are going to be raptured at uh, what they call the rapture, the first coming of Christ. You notice that he said. If there is anything clear in the Bible, it's the two, the fact that there are two comings of Christ still future. Well, the rapture is the first one. And now he is quoting uh, 1 Corinthians 15, 51. Behold, I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed in a moment, 
in the twinkling of an eye at the last trump. For the trumpet shall sound, and the dead shall be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed. Now, where do they go? That verse, he quoted it to saying that this will make clear the rapture. Well, have they left the earth? That verse says nothing about leaving the earth. Now, I think they will, but now, this, but it, this, this verse has got to make that clear, but it don't make that clear. It doesn't say a thing in the world about it. And any man that says that this verse makes clear the teaching of the rapture, because this verse says nothing about the tribulation. You notice he says that the first coming is before the tribulation. So you've got to have this first secret coming. It's got to be connected with the tribulation some way or the other. And to them it's got to occur, and then the tribulation follows. So, uh, to them the doctrine of the rapture is Christ coming for the church, the saved since Pentecost, and all of the living will be changed, and all of the saved since Pentecost that have died will be resurrected. The rest of the dead stay in the grave. And they'll be snatched away out of the, this earth, in, which keeps them from entering or experiencing the tribulation, whatever is involved in the tribulation. It's a, what is known as early removal. I quote, We have emphasized the two distinct aspects of the Lord's return because we believe that until we distinguish between his coming for the church before the tribulation and his coming with the church after the tribulation, we shall never be able to rightly divide the word of truth and understand the Bible's teaching concerning the last days and the coming of the Lord. Moreover, we cannot rightly interpret the first few verses of Revelation 4. And that's where we are tonight. That's the reason why I'm reading this, you see, because he he is frank, he is honest, he is clear as to what they teach and what they believe. And he believed it uh, sincerely. In Revelation 4, 1, 3, we have one of the most beautiful pictures in all the scriptures of Christ coming for the church. There are two comings of the Lord mentioned in Revelation. One is described in chapter 4, where John representing, now notice, where John representing the church is caught up to meet the Lord. Now you can read, if someone hadn't told you about this two coming theory, you could have read Revelation 4, verse 1, until uh, the Lord returned. And you wouldn't know that it said a word about a doctrine called the rapture, that Christ was returning to this world's earth secretly. You wouldn't know that he was going to just resurrect the dead. You wouldn't know that he was going to resurrect anybody. Not just the Christian dead from Pentecost to the, to the time he comes, but you wouldn't know that he was going to change anyone and catch him up. 
Well, read verse one now. You look at uh, you. You got your you got your Bible there. So let's read verse one. After this, I looked. After these things, now <clears throat> we'll read uh, another uh, expression, and then we'll stop. After this, I looked. And behold, a door was opened in heaven, and the first voice which I heard was that, as it were, of a trumpet talking with me, which said. Now, uh, it's uh, John was not caught up and went into heaven, and then the first thing he heard after he got into heaven was a voice now that he's fixing to write about. It's not the first voice I heard. It's the voice I heard at the first. See? In other words, the same voice I had heard. Look at chapter 1, verse 10. I was in the Spirit on the Lord's day and heard behind me a great voice as of a trumpet saying, I am Alpha and Omega. That defines that voice. You see it? In one ten is the voice of the Son of God. Now, uh, at that time, uh, Jesus told him to write. And he told him to write the things that he had seen, the things which are, and the things which shall be after these. So, in chapters 1, 2, and 3, we are... Uh, we are scripturally authorized to view the things that he had seen and the things which are as the having already been written by the end of verse of chapter 3. Because now he says, After this I looked, and behold, a door was opened in heaven, and the first voice which I heard was, as it were, of a trumpet talking with me, which said, Come up hither, and I will show thee things which must be hereafter. Now then, we're going to get into the future, you see. John, uh, Revelation one nineteen, Write the things which thou hast seen, the things which are, and the things which shall be hereafter. So now then, the same voice which I heard at the first is talking to me. He said, come up hither, and I will show you what will occur hereafter, what will take place hereafter, the things that shall be after these. So, uh, Dr. Dehan says that the, this verse, it's the clearest verse, he says, in all the Bible concerning the rapture of the church. So, uh, it, this is so important that we'll have to spend uh, some time here because I want to read you uh, the norm passage for the rapture. The only passage in the Bible that mentions the rapture by name is 1 Thessalonians 4, the passage from verse 13 through verse 18. And uh, uh, we want to we, we uh, look at that in a moment. But now remember what the doctrine of the rapture is, according to Dr. Dion. He says it's Christ coming, his first return. 
his first future return. He's, he's going to come back twice before this world, before the last day. The One of them is a secret coming. And when all, the, when the church, just the church now, is resurrected, and when all of the living uh, saints uh, will be translated and caught up in the air to meet the Lord in the air, and then they go on from the air back to heaven, and, and then remain there seven years, and then come back the second time. Now, and they always tell you this coming, uh, I didn't put it there, they put it there, that this coming precedes the tribulation. So, any time you read about the rapture, it ought to make it clear uh, how that passage stands with reference to the tribulation, whether it's before the tribulation or whether those events that it describes is after the tribulation. All right? Let's go to... Uh, First Thessalonians, uh, chapter 4, and uh, we'll read this passage, because this passage has got to be uh, inserted. Now, uh, Dr. Wilbur goes on. He says that uh, this passage, John in Revelation 4.1, uh, does not uh, refer to the rapture directly. But you can assume, and some eight times, he says you can assume, or you can, or it, uh, you have the right to a conjecture, or it seems that the church was translated, was raptured, between verse 20 of chapter, uh, the, the last verse, of chapter 3 and before chapter 4 begins. In other words, in between. You have to read it between the lines. It's not in the Bible, but you can assume it. You have a right to assume it. He says because of other passages, and primarily this passage in, that we're now reading, 1 Thessalonians 4, 13 to 18. But I would not have you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning them which are asleep that ye sorrow not, even as others which have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so them also which sleep in Jesus will God bring with him. For this we say unto you by the word of the Lord, that we which are alive and remain unto the coming of the Lord shall not prevent them which are asleep. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we, which are alive and remain, shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so, shall we ever be with the Lord. Wherefore, comfort one another with these words. Now, <clears throat> this verse 14, verse 13 tells you why Paul's writing this particular portion. That he doesn't want the church at Thessalonica 
to misunderstand what he had preached to them about the dead or about the translation of the resurrection of the dead and of their change when the Son of God uh, returns. Well, uh, they evidently uh, believed in a general resurrection. Uh, if there were any Jews there, uh, uh, members of the church of Thessalonica, well, they certainly believed in a general resurrection, that all of the dead would rise at the same time. All right, but Paul evidently had preached something about the kingdom of God, the reign of God, and the coming of the Lord Jesus. And, he's, uh, and he told them uh, some, uh, uh, some of the facts that he had, uh, that he re referred to in the first letter here, the previous chapters, and they had misunderstood him. They misunderstood his preaching. So he writes to them and said, Now I don't want you to be ignorant concerning them which are dead. He didn't say, I, I, don't, I don't want you to be ignorant concerning the rapture. He said, I want you to know something about the dead. Rapture means catching away, see, catching up. Uh, going up into the air. Alright? For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so also, uh, even so them also which sleep in Jesus will God bring with him. Now, uh, here you have uh, God bringing with him somebody or something. They, uh, Dr. Dehart, emphasize that you've got that Christ had to come for his saints before he could come with them. Isn't that right? Alright, now then and if this tells us his first coming, his secret coming, well he's already got somebody coming with him. Well when did he come for them? Or how did they get to Christ? Uh is this the dead? Is this referring to the spirits of the dead of just men? Have they gone into heaven? Or did Jesus, on his way down to the earth, did he stop at paradise, Abraham's bosom, and take uh, receive the spirits of the just and bring him with them? Or is Paul making a statement that when Christ comes, that the dead will have been resurrected and he's coming back to the earth with spirits and body, or is he just returning with spirits now? For this we say unto you by the word of the Lord, that we which are alive and remain. Now, did Paul, by the use of the word we, uh, it appears when you just read it that Paul thought that he'd be alive when Jesus come back. Uh, he said, now, now see, he's going to write about the dead, but he said, now, we which are alive and remain. Now, what kind of we is this? Is this a editorial we? Is this a conversational we? Does this, uh, uh, or do you have to put, make this little note or addition in here, uh, that we, uh, which are alive, See, at that time. See, if 
we are, if he permits us to live to then. Those who, those who are alive, see. But he says we, alright? In 1 Corinthians 6, uh, Paul says, makes this statement, that uh, Christ is going to raise us up from the dead. Raise us up from the dead. Now, Paul put himself in the us of 1 Corinthians 6. And uh, 1 Corinthians 6, if, if, uh, if the us there is used uh, to show that he thought he'd be dead, you see, in other words, the, the point is how Paul uses these pronouns. Paul is simply uh, saying uh, that it pertains to the living. See, if, if all that are in dead, they'll be resurrected. Ones that are living, whoever's living, will be changed in a moment of truth life. But he does say, we, if uh, who are alive, see, as though he thought he would be alive. I have no doubt that Paul was looking for his return, see, to come back. But now, uh, he says, uh, we shall not prevent, the word is precede, go before, them which are asleep. So, uh, evidently, they wanted to know something about, uh, Paul had uh, spoken to them about uh, their resurrection. He had certainly had spoken something to them about the transformation, the change of the body in resurrection. And the time of that. So now then, he says, uh, For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven uh, with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trump of God. Now, remember, uh, Dr. Gihon said that Christ, the first coming, when he comes for his saint, he's going to come secretly. And nobody will know it except those that are looking for it. And yet, this passage says that uh, the, the, somebody's going to shout. The voice of the archangel is certainly uh, not going to be something secret. Otherwise, why, why would the archangel speak? And the trump of God. Why, why blow on the bugle? See? If it's going to be a secret now, I, I'm, I'm talking about this secret coming. And the dead in Christ shall rise first. Now, <clears throat> the dead in Christ. Now, does that say the dead since the dead in Christ since Pentecost? It just says dead in Christ. But now this verse this makes it plain that this is a rapture of the church. Well, and to them the church is only saved people since Pentecost. And yet this passage says the dead in Christ. It doesn't say uh, the, the expression dead in Christ is an expression that means, that refers to God's people, saved people, the elect, the children of God, that have died. The dead in Christ shall rise. Uh, uh, how, how, uh, that's got to extend back to Adam, the beginning. And that's when it's going to happen. The dead in Christ will rise. They'll rise first. Now, if there was just a, if the, if everybody rose at the same time, why put the word first there? Why not say, and the dead in Christ shall rise? Period. 
if the, if the just and the unjust rise at the same time, he wouldn't have to use the word first. But not only that, but the first primarily refers to the first action. In other words, the dead in Christ will rise before we who are alive shall be changed. See, that's a primary reference to the first, the word first. Now, see, he said, I don't want you to be ignorant concerning them that are asleep, that are dead. Now, he's going to give them the information. All of this other has been preliminary. Here's the information that uh, that uh, Paul set out to give them. For the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. Now you can read that till you get as old as Methuselah. And you can't read where the living are changed. Where Paul said they were changed here. The living, what did he say? Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up. It didn't say we shall be changed and then caught up. But now that's truth. That is a truth in the Bible. That the dead in Christ will be changed and then caught up. That's true. But... Uh, but Paul doesn't say anything about it here in First Thessalonians. Neither does he say anything about the tribulation. Remember, this passage always, the secret coming, the coming of Christ for his saints, always precedes the tribulation. Where is he mentioned the tribulation? But I want to show you something. He said, uh, uh, let's uh, read it. Uh, verse, uh, chapter 5 uh, but of the times and the seasons brethren ye have no need that I write unto you it's not that the times and seasons were not important but it means that Paul had sufficiently he had already uh, preached that to him sufficiently why because no man knows the time nor the hour the day nor the hour when the son of man returns but he says for yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord so cometh as a thief in the night. For when they shall say peace and safety, then sudden destruction cometh upon them, as travail upon a woman with child. And they shall not escape. Notice the them and the they's here. But ye, brethren, now notice the but. But, he's contrasted. There's a them and the, the, the them and the they are going to be surprised. Christ's coming is to them as a thief. But ye, brethren, are not in darkness that that day should overtake you as a thief. And yet, Dr. Dion says that he's coming back as a thief to snatch away his jewels. See, take away his precious ones. Separate them from the vile. Alright? Uh, ye are children of the light. And the children of day. We are not of night, nor of darkness. Therefore, let us not sleep as do others, but let us watch and be sober. Alright, now, uh, when Paul concluded this first letter, 
They misunderstood that first letter. He got word, and they still hadn't understood uh, the resurrection or the rapture or the catching up to meet Christ in the air. So Paul writes them another letter. Now in, ver- in chapter 2, uh, Now we beseech you, brethren, by the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and by our gathering together unto him. That's a rapture, you see. We beseech you now by the coming. When the Lord comes, and our gathering together, you see, the rapture, the word rapture simply means catch up, catch away. Uh, that ye be not soon shaken in mind or be troubled, neither by letter, neither by spirit, nor by word, nor by letter, as from us, as that the day of Christ is at hand. Now, you see, what was bothering them, they thought, they understood uh, Paul to say, well, uh, uh, that day, the day of the Lord is come. It's almost here. And Paul used the expression, we which are alive, you know, but what they were worried about was some of our folks have died. And if we're going to reign, if there's going to be a, a reign with, reigning with Christ, uh, and it's already at hand, and they're dead, well, then they've missed the millennium. They've missed the kingdom of God, see? Well, now Paul is going to correct it and say, now listen. He said, don't you to be troubled by, by spirit, by anybody's preaching, teaching, nor by any word, even if that word came from me, or by letter, the first epistle, you see, that he wrote. As from us, as that the day of Christ is at hand. Let no man deceive you by any means. Well, now anybody that starts preaching you that the day of Christ uh, was at hand, well, that man was a deceiver, uh, at least to the church of Thessalonica. For that day shall not come, except there come a falling away first, and that man of sin be revealed, the son of perdition. Now, then he describes it. All right, down in verse 8, it says, And then, uh, he said, for, uh, verse 7, For the mystery of iniquity doth already work. Only he who now letteth will let until he be taken out of the way. And then shall that wicked be revealed, whom the Lord shall consume with the spirit of his mouth, and shall destroy with the brightness of his coming. Even him whose coming is after the working of Satan with all power and signs and lying wonders. Now what is Paul telling? Paul is telling them uh, several things involved here, of course. Now here is the tribulation. You remember that he said the coming for his saints always preceded the tribulation. Now he says, uh, before uh, we beseech him by the coming of our Lord and our gathering together unto him, there's got to be a falling away first and that man of sin be revealed, the son of perdition, the Antichrist, who's going to sit in the temple of God. It's the same man that you have that we'll study in Revelation chapter 13. It's the same man that's uh, prophesied in Daniel chapter 7. All right, but now the point is, uh, when Christ comes, when we'll be caught up uh, to meet him, 
Well, then that can't occur until, Paul says, until the apostasy, the falling away, and the man of sin be revealed. Now, if that's not clear, I don't know uh, how clear to make it. But, now, back to 1 Thessalonians 4. Uh, it says nothing about a return trip. Jesus, as far as 1 Thessalonians is concerned, is on a one-way trip. He had a one-way ticket to this earth. And anybody that tells you that Jesus is going back to heaven after he comes for his saints, for his people, he's got to prove it from the Bible. Somewhere. I don't care where he's nominalist, post-millennialist, pre-millennialist, pre-tribber, or post-tribber. First Thessalonians simply says that Christ is, uh, uh, for he shall descend. It tells us that we'll be caught up to meet him in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. 1 Thessalonians 4 does not tell you that he comes on to the earth. 1 Thessalonians 4 does not tell you he goes back to heaven. 1 Thessalonians 4 doesn't tell you that the air is the point of destination. It simply tells you that we'll be caught up to meet him in the air. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. Not ever be with the Lord in the air, or ever be in the air with the Lord. And, and First Thessalonians 4 says absolutely nothing about a change of bodies. Now, it's got to, if this makes the rapture clear, uh, it, it needs to point that out, but it doesn't. You see, First uh, uh, Corinthians 15, uh, Paul says, Behold, I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we all shall be changed. Now then, now, notice the we, how Paul uses we, see. Now, there, Paul is expecting to be changed. We all, we not all be, uh, we, we shall not all sleep. In other words, everybody's not going to die, because there's going to be somebody alive when Jesus comes back to this earth. And that's what Paul was informing the, the brethren at Thessalonica, that those that have died in the Lord, they would be resurrected first, and then the ones living would be caught up after that. And that's all it was necessary for Paul to write about. That was the only thing that was that he intended to convey to them. But certainly Paul knew that their bodies would be changed in a moment twinkling. I had already uh, he'd all, uh, he hadn't written it yet, but it was the next book that he did write. Uh, and because first Thessalonians was the first letter he wrote. And then uh, then second, and then possibly Galatians, and then the first, uh, first letter to the Corinthians. But in the first letter to the Corinthians, Paul, uh, 
said, well, now, that a lot of people are going to say, how are the dead raised up, you know? And so Paul meant to do it. But then he said, now, I'm going to show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we all shall be changed in a moment in the twinkling of an eye. First Corinthians 15 doesn't say a thing in the world about being caught up. You see, you have to take all of the scriptures that teach truth concerning the resurrection and the coming of Christ uh, and the and the condition, the state of our um, immortal body, our resurrected body. You've got to take all of those into consideration when you form uh, your uh, conclusion as to uh, the coming of Christ. Now, that always says that the coming for his saints is before the tribulation. Nothing said about tribulation in 1 Corinthians 15. Nothing said about tribulation in, uh, in 1 Thessalonians 4. First, uh, uh, first Corinthians, uh, 15 says that we shall, uh, be, he tells us now about this, uh, when, uh, we'll, uh, notice, uh, that we, uh, shall be changed in a moment in the twink of an eye at, at the last trump. For the trumpet shall sound and the dead shall be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed. For this corruptible must put on incorruption, and this mortal must put on immortality. So, when this corruptible shall have put on incorruption, and this mortal shall have put on immortality, then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, Death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is thy stream? O grave, where is thy victory? The sting of death is sin, and the strength of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, which giveth us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be ye steadfast, unmovable, always abounded in the work of the Lord, for as much as ye know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. Paul doesn't get the resurrected. He doesn't get the change off of the earth. In this passage, does he? He's telling him what will happen in the future. He says they will be changed in a moment, twink of an eye. They will be resurrected. They will have immortal bodies. This mortal will put on immortality. But now, until that occurs, he says, uh, he says, brethren, uh, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. For as much as you know that your labor is not in vain. He didn't say get put on a white garment and get on the mountaintop and watch for the Lord to come back. See? He didn't say, uh, uh, expect him in the morning. He might come tonight. He says, now, the dead, all of them are going to be come forth. The dead in Christ. And nowhere in 1 Corinthians 15... Is there any resurrection of the wicked mentioned? Not one place in all of the 15th chapter of 1 Corinthians. Not one time is the resurrection of the wicked mentioned in 1 Thessalonians 4. Now, in, uh, but now notice, 
in 1st Corinthians 15 there was a trump this change this uh, resurrection from the dead was going to take place at the last trump at the last trumpet and the dead shall be raised incorruptible and we shall be changed when? at the last trump alright uh Paul in 1 Corinthians, uh, Paul in, uh, in 1 Thessalonians 4 says that uh, the Lord himself would descend with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, and the dead in Christ. See? Now, the, the, uh, 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 the, uh, there you have the trumpet, for the trump of God. See? All right, now let's go to first, uh, Matthew 24. Uh, now you notice they uh, they keep in mind if you don't keep these uh, particular points that characterize the uh, the coming for his saints and coming with his saints in mind uh, you won't be able to follow their arguments or their reasoning or to see uh, what is the truth concerning the second coming of Christ look at verse 27 chapter 24 Verse 27, For as the lightning cometh out of the east, and shineth even unto the west, so shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. And the same Greek word, coming, that's used here, is the same Greek word that's used in 1 Thessalonians 4, when he says, For the, uh, the Lord himself shall descend. See? All right? Uh, now, <clears throat> here we have, uh, he says, the lightning, uh, for wheresoever the carcass is, there will the eagles be gathered together. Immediately, now notice, immediately after the tribulation of those days, shall the sun be darkened, and the moon shall not give her light, and the stars shall fall from heaven, and the powers of the heavens shall be shaken. And then shall appear the sign of the Son of Man in heaven. And then shall all the tribes of the earth mourn. And they shall see the Son of Man coming in the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. He shall send his angels with a great sound of a trumpet. And they shall gather together his elect from the four winds, from one end of heaven to the other. Now, what have you got here? You've got the coming of Christ. You've got the time coming with reference to the tribulation. They said that he was going to come secretly before the tribulation. All right, this is a coming of Christ which says immediately after the tribulation. So we know this coming is after the tribulation. We know this coming is with the sound of a trumpet. Angels. All right, in in uh, in First uh, Thessalonians four, the angel uh, there was an archangel sounded. See, the voice of the archangel. Now we have uh, here the uh, he will send his angels with a great sound of a trumpet, and they the angels shall gather together his elect from the four winds, from one end of heaven to the other. Now, the same 
gather together is the same word in First Thessalonians 4. Where we're called up to meet him. Gather. Alright, now, First Thessalonians 4 does not tell you one thing about the method, the means of the gathering together of the living that will be caught up to meet the Lord in the air. See, First Thessalonians 4 simply tells you that the Lord himself is going to descend. You've got some dead people here. They're going to, dead in Christ. They're going to rise first. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up to meet Christ in the air. It doesn't tell you uh, how the ones in Africa are going to come, who's going to, who's going to gather them together, uh, or in uh, Alaska, or in China, or wherever it might be. See, there's nothing said about it. But Matthew 24 says he's going to send his angels. His angels would gather together his elect. All right? <clears throat> they, uh, <clears throat> the, the point that I, I want you to see is that uh, there's a similarity in Matthew 24. You see, Matthew 24 says that Christ is going to come. That he's going to come with a shout, with a trumpet, and the angels are attending. First uh, Corinthians uh, 15 says uh, uh, says nothing about angels. Doesn't uh, <clears throat> it? Just says, "Behold." First Corinthians 15 says nothing about uh, the dead that have received uh, their incorruptible bodies. It doesn't tell you what happens to them. It, uh, it doesn't tell you that they leave the earth at all, you see. All right, what the... Uh, now, in John, now we come to our, our tech lesson tonight. After this, I look. Now that I want to read uh, uh, verse uh, verse one and verse two. Now, after this, I looked, and behold, a door was opened in heaven. Now, the dispensationalist says, when that door uh, was opened in heaven, and when uh, Jesus said, "Come up hither," that that was the church being raptured. The church now is seen, uh, this is a prophecy, they tell us, of the church going up to heaven when John uh, was caught up. But now notice, the rapture, who comes here? Jesus didn't come. Well, the rapture, for in the rapture the Lord himself shall descend with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, and the dead in Christ shall rise. And then they'll meet him. Jesus is in heaven. In John 4, 1. And he has called John to come up. Now John does, John bodily 
uh, is still on the Isle of Patmos. John in spirit, in the spirit, in a vision, in ecstasy, in joy, out of the body, it's just like you're dreaming. You can uh, see visions, things just as clearly in a dream as you can if you see them by your naked eyes. He says, I come up hither, and I will show thee what shall be after these, the things that shall be hereafter. Now, to show you that uh, there, but now here's the likenesses that the dispensationalist says that this is the rapture. And immediately I was in, uh, no, I heard, as it were, a trumpet. Now you see that expression? And the first voice which I heard was, as it were, of a trumpet. All right, now they say that's the trumpet of 1 Thessalonians 4. But they say it does not refer to the trumpet in Matthew 24. See, because Matthew 24 says that that trumpet blows immediately after the tribulation. Now, to, for, to, for this to be the rapture of the church, they've got to have a trumpet blowing before the tribulation. And therefore, they can't let this trumpet be the same as the trumpet in Matthew 24. They say that this trumpet is the same trumpet as in 1 Corinthians 15, 51. Why? Because uh, first, uh, the trumpet in uh, uh, 1 Corinthians 15, you see, has nothing to do with the tribulation. It doesn't position uh, uh, the, uh, the coming, the resurrection. Alright, neither does 1 Thessalonians position the resurrection. What does this verse say about the resurrection? Not one thing. What does it say about the tribulation? Not one thing. And yet they say this verse clearly sets forth the doctrine of the rapture. Now, alright, we'll, we'll go on from there because uh, we'll, uh, we'll, uh, we'll meet this again in verse 4. And immediately, I was in the spirit. Now, not in body. He didn't go in body. Immediately I was in the spirit, and behold, a throne was set in heaven, and one sat on the throne. Now, uh, uh, the first thing he saw was a throne. He saw someone on it. And yet he doesn't describe the throne. He doesn't describe the person on the throne as to form, as to shape, because he can't. Thank you for listening. Don't forget to subscribe and share with a friend. Be steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. For as much as ye know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord.